to the cloud. Today we are going to talk about the gift of tongues, which is a strange and curious gift. Have you guys ever... I know heard? tongues are the strongest muscle in the body. Okay. <laughs> that can't be true. That is, is Can true. you lift a... Like, that can't be true. Yeah, no, you can't like, like lift a barbell. No, it's the strongest muscle like per weight of any muscle in the body. Well, that's different, isn't it? Fine, <laughs> that's what I meant. Okay, well that's not what we're talking about. No? <laughs> okay. uh, you but guys, you said tongues though. Well, have you guys grown up in churches that speak in tongues or anything like that? Or is it kind of like a foreign concept to you and whatnot? Um, the church that I went to for a while growing up didn't really like encourage tongues at all and didn't really talk about tongues at all, but we had one person in the church who had the gift of tongues. One person. One person. Yeah. And did they use it a lot? Not like in the normal church sermons, but if you went to other church stuff that they were at, they would use it pretty frequently. Like while they're preaching or they're No, 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 no. They weren't they didn't they didn't do preaching. Yeah, I don't so know they if were ordained or not. But they did they ran like a prayer group. Oh, okay. And it came up a lot in the prayer group. So some churches yes, other churches no, but you at least knew of one person exercising the gift. Yeah. Any other church I went to never I don't think talked about tongues. <laughs> nope. Never so. talked about it all the way through high school. Then in college it was like Hey, there's this thing, and we're like, what's this thing? That's weird. What? Where'd you, was it like the consuming fire ministry or whatever? I mean, that was, that was where it was most notable, but also I had a couple friends who were like Assemblies of God, and that's okay. like a big thing in there. So between a kind of charismatic ministry on the rise in college and then meeting people outside of your own denomination, start to notice it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I heard, um, I, I was told it wasn't around anymore, so I didn't think anything of it, uh, nor did I understand the gift anyways, except, you know, like, I guess it could be helpful if I'm talking with someone in another language and the Holy Spirit inspires me, so I don't need to use Google to translate or something, you know. But, Actually, that comes automatic on Apple's now. Yeah, well, I didn't have that technology at the time. Um, so I was like, I don't know what this, what that gift was for. I guess it was just a weird moment in Acts at Pentecost, right? That's the main story that we have on it where the Holy Spirit rushes on the church after Jesus has died and ascended into heaven. They're all gathered in one place, all these Christians, and then the Holy Spirit shows up and they burst out in tongues and like go out the door and they appear drunk and uh, for a bunch of appearing drunk people they're speaking in perfect whatever language is represented in the town um that's there to see them speaking in tongues we'll get to that story later but you know it was the same for me i didn't know much about it I hadn't heard much about it I wasn't taught that it was around um and i think the first time i heard like someone tell me their story was a teacher of mine who someone had told him he was in germany studying 
uh, like a extra doctorate or so. He has, <laughs> he has a lot of degrees. He's in Germany. Um, takes a lot of money to get there, especially for a poor student, you know, uh, studying theology and all that. And he's there, and I think it was like the person he was studying under there on a pig farm or something. <laughs> or just the people he was living with on a pig farm or something. They're like, yeah, well, you know, you could just ask God for the gift of tongues and maybe you'll get it, something like that. Anyways, if I remember the story right, his dad died while he's in Germany. He doesn't have the money to get home, uh, and he's just like really broken, you know? And so he's praying that night. And after a while that he's been praying, he suddenly realizes he's been speaking in some other language. Like it's just been gibberish that's been coming out of his mouth. He didn't even like notice the transition. It just kind of shifted into that. So he's open to it. He's prayed, yeah, I guess if you want to give me that gift, I'm open to it. And then the moment when it manifests is like, he's hurting, he's in pain, he feels alone. His dad is dying, and now suddenly he's speaking in tongues when he's just like crying out for help. So that was his story. Uh, I know someone at church once, they uh, were driving to church to meet me or to come to church or something like that, and they they got out of the car and came and said like, you know, I was praying on my way here and I just realized I was praying not in English. <laughs> like, just this other trans... Like, it was, I was like, I've heard that kind of story before where it just transitions from uh, speaking to just like suddenly you're speaking in talks. So, uh, have you guys heard any stories yourselves when people discovered the gift or anything like that? Not really. I mean... It's been usually over time trying to pray for people like in a service trying to manifest it, but other than that, nothing really. Yeah. Thank you for you. I just had that one guy. Yeah. Well, let's talk about uh, the purpose of tongues in the first place because it's, it's kind of confusing and it requires a worldview the Bible gives that a lot of times we miss. So, Deuteronomy 32.8, in fact, I'll I'll read it word for word so that we can get to it. When the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance, when he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of the peoples according to the number of the sons of God. But the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob, his allotted heritage. Okay, uh, do you guys know where in the Bible the world was divided into nations? Wasn't it the Tower of Babel? Tower of Babel. So sometimes the Bible's like chronologically interesting. <laughs> In one chapter, after uh, Noah's landed the ark back on dry land, it then goes on to tell you, here's all the nations. And then the following story is, here's how those nations were divided, which is essentially they were all in one place. They were building a tower to make a name for themselves. Um, there is some Hebrew connections right there to make a name for yourself. Uh, the Nephilim, we've talked about giants before here on the podcast. Um, the literal like definition of Nephilim is the men of great renown. Uh, and so there's this connection in Hebrew between name and um, make a name for ourselves and the men of great renown. 
where you could see connections. So it's possible, since we know that the giants continue, it's possible that part of the story of the Tower of Babel is like, okay, they're starting fresh, they're starting new. It's the new Eden. Everything from scratch, one family, let's do this. And then we're instantly back into a possible, like, collaborating with the giants or carrying on the ideologies of the giants. It's possible we could go that route. Um, whatever the case was, a lot of people just think like God hates skyscrapers. You know, like if you build a really tall building, he's out to get you, not cool. <laughs> in which case, we're in a lot of trouble. Um, <laughs> Goodbye, but, New York. But whether you want to see connections to the giants, one of the main things that you can see is that this, this tower of... <laughs> Goodbye, New York. This tower of Babel was very likely a, a ziggurat, which you've probably seen in some movie or video game. Anybody want to tell them what a ziggurat is if you know? So it's a pyramid, but it's a, a stepping pyramid. Yeah. So like, I always think of, uh, I always said DreamWorks cartoon. Emperor's New Groove? A little bit more. No. Well, that would work though. You kind of, you have pyramid type things. Well, or there was the road to El Dorado. Yes, that's the one. Right? Oh, yeah, okay. there you go. Okay. So, you know, like there's this tall tower and they put these two humans that they think are gods, like at the top in this room where they can stay. Like that's ancient thinking. That's what a ziggurat is. Essentially, it's a man-made mountain because ancient people believe that the gods lived on mountains. And so here they are essentially trying to build their own mountain to invite the gods to come down or to um, maybe even like try to take control over the gods and so I, I, I don't know but they build a place where at the top of these ziggurats there's a room where the gods can stay and then they walk downstairs and say hello that that's the ideology behind a ziggurat these are all over Mesopotamia and part of the way that we could tell that the Tower of Babel was a ziggurat is because it's described as a tower is having its tops in the heavens, which is how, like, the same writing is used of ziggurats throughout ancient times. So, the Hebrews here in the Bible are, like, putting their own understanding, like, all right, here's, here's our stuff about what you think was a good thing. No, God looked at that. He's like, what, what is this? What are they doing? No, they're, they're going to... I've tried to get them to follow me in Eden. They failed. And then they ushered in all these other evils into the world. They failed. I wiped them out. I baptized the world afresh. We started over. I had one family to work with. And instantly, right away, they're already not following me. They're following these other ideologies, other gods. Or we could say maybe at the very least, like, they're trying to make... If, if all they believe in at that point is just Yahweh, then they're trying to conform Yahweh to their standards rather than the other way around, right? One way or another, it's not that God's mad at a skyscraper. He's mad at what's going on here. So we already read Deuteronomy 32.8, and it told us that when the nations were divided, they were divided up amongst the sons of God. We've talked about them before. They are... The Nephilim. Well, they're spiritual beings, the ones who gave birth to the Nephilim. Yes. So, Sorry. No, that's fine. <laughs> Whether it's angels, uh, false gods, cherubim, seraphim, watchers, there's a lot of different names throughout the Bible of spiritual beings. But if you want one heading, they all fall under sons of God works. 
because they are all like the children of the heavenly space, if you will. So Deuteronomy 32.8 tells us like the nations are now put under the sons of God, except Abraham and who will come out of him, Jacob, and eventually Jesus, like all of that nation, that's God's, right? Everyone else though, divvied up by their tongues and sent under the sons of God. Wait, so they cut open their tongues? No. Divide open. Their he doesn't understand this tongues conversation at all today. <laughs> uh, so let's what else, go. What else, how else am I supposed to make a joke here? I got nothing else. Let's go ahead and call it what we would think, though. So if you have a spiritual being who's now in charge of a nation, what would we think of that in layman's terms? Little G God? Yeah, so like a God, but in this case, a little G God. Now, these things are not anything like God, not even remotely. God made them. They're just spiritual beings that he empowered with authority, just like we're empowered with authority in positions that we do or with spiritual gifts. So these sons of God that he had created, he said, okay, I'm going to focus on Abraham. The rest of you are going to focus on other beings or other nations, right? So I allot them to you and them to you. You see this picture in Daniel where Daniel's like, there's a spiritual being known as a prince of Persia. It's a, it's a son of God reigning over Persia. There's a spiritual being reigning over Greece. In Daniel 10, uh, you catch glimpses of that. So these are the sons of God reigning over nations. So the world is already getting a little more complicated than the and way was, we talk about it. The prince of Persia, there was like time travel and other type of... <laughs> Your mind's always in the video games, in the Disney movies, in the Jake Gyllenhaal's. Wait, what? Isn't he the Prince of Persia in that movie? Oh, yeah, you're right. He is. <laughs> Anyways. Touche. Anyways, the spiritual world's a lot more complicated. It's kind of funny because, like, in today's culture, like, the fight against atheism is just like, look, I just want you to get believe that God's real, you know, and then you understand the Bible. <laughs> it's like the the spiritual world of the Bible is so much more dense and complicated than that. It's like hey, you've only touched like you know the the surface of <laughs> what the spiritual world. There's only one God. He's made everything, right? Nothing compares to him. Can usurp him? He has all the power, omniscience, everything. Like that's not the same as the little G gods. But from a biblical perspective, little g-gods are also a thing. Sorry, what were you going to say? I forgot. It's... It was probably a tangent anyway. Most likely. It probably was. Probably about another TV show. Most likely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyways, why are we talking about all this? What the heck does it have to do with tongues? Well, we're now looking at the space where, if you will, tongues even came from, right? We're looking at the story of where languages came from out of the Bible. And the story behind languages in the Bible is that humanity was not following God. Once again, we're only 10 chapters into this thing, or 11, uh, 11 chapters into this thing, and people are constantly turning away from God over and over and over again, no matter what lengths God goes to, even if it's flooding the whole world to try over, right? And so, God finally, like, it's like he's had enough of it. It's like, fine. You know what? If you're all going to chase after these ideologies, chase after uh, or, or obey me incorrectly or think you can make me fit into your box rather than the other way around, fine. I'm going to 
give you over to lesser beings that are not me. They're not as great as me. They're not as powerful as me. And they're going to be in charge of you for now. I've delegated control over to them. Um, and I separate you by your languages, you know, like you belong over here, you over here, and you, you're assigned to this spiritual being over here, he'll take care of you, so on and so forth. Anyways, um, the Bible tells us that the false gods aren't good guys. Uh, so, you know, we kind of have that question, were they good guys then? Um, or, <laughs> or were they not? We don't know the answer. Psalm 82 tells us that eventually they become corrupt and they abuse humanity and, and they oppress humanity. And so God tells the false gods, none of this anymore. You're supposed to be immortal as gods, but I'm going to wipe you out. So that's what you see in Revelation. It's the end of all corruption between human beings and spiritual beings. Um, but um, were they good when God assigned them? Maybe. It would still be a punishment, though, right? Even if they're good, they're still not God. Like, mm -hmm. they're not going to be as great to follow and to trust in. Uh, they won't have all the power like God does and, and things like that. So we learned where we lose the tongues, where we lose, where we're separated by tongues. Pentecost, on the other hand, is like the ultimatum of, of that line of Abraham. God's like, you all get... All these nations, but I choose one. I'm taking Abraham, which turns into Jacob, which turns into Israel, which eventually turns into Jesus. And after Jesus has died and ascended into heaven, what happens? The first spiritual gift that is poured out on the church is the reversal of Babel. Uh, sorry, the reversal of Tower of Babel, right? Mm -hmm. They were delegated to lesser beings at the Tower of Babel. Now the church is empowered... With the ability to speak in tongues, does anybody remember what they were saying? What Acts says they were saying? Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head. Just like the greatness and wonders of God. So they burst out the door. They're speaking in languages they don't know. And in all these languages, they're talking about the greatness of who God is. So they're evangelizing. They're, they're sharing the story. How do they get this gift? It's from God. It's from Jesus. What's being communicated from Old Testament to New Testament? Once upon a time, you were delegated to false authorities and God chose one nation. Now in the New Testament, God's saying, I'm open for adoption. You can leave your false gods behind. Would it really be adoption or more like welcome back? You could probably take it either way, right? There's a good analogy to both. But yeah, like you were turned away or delegated away, but now... Welcome home, like come back, or uh, or I'm adopting the ones that I turned away to other nations, come to me. Of course, in order to do that, you have to leave your false gods completely behind. There's none of that you can bring with you into this new kingdom of heaven. What? You mean I can't bring sorcery and no. other fun things that the false gods give me? No, and that becomes part of the narrative of Acts, right? There's a community that burns hundreds to thousands of dollars worth of magical texts when they come to Christ. <laughs> There's Simon the Magician who's like, he, he starts believing in Jesus and he decides to follow Jesus, but he hasn't given up his old lifestyle with the false gods because when he sees, I think, Peter come in and, and do power in the, 
uh, power of the Spirit, he's like, how much do I got to pay for that? You know, like he's still thinking of the Holy Spirit as like one of the false gods. Like, how do I get that spiritual being? And how much money you want for your magical text? And Peter's like, whoa, you better repent right now. <laughs> You're basically headed to hell, buddy. You know, like he's, he's got intense words from him. So the story of, of tongues is not just a spiritual gifting. And I think this was difficult sometimes. You see people speaking in tongues and like they have no idea what they're saying because that's usually how tongues works. People don't know what they're saying. But I find that people today also don't know why they're saying it. You know, like anytime we're speaking in tongues from a theological, biblical standpoint, we're reminding ourselves that God is hungry for the nations. It's, it's a missional statement. If we speak in tongues, we're saying... God wants more people saved. He wants us to reach everyone. So every time we speak in it, we should be thinking evangelistically. It's like a reminder to ourselves. And I'm sure it can be more than that too. But theologically, that's one of the main things. Because they burst out the front door with this welcome home party. So we're just kind of laying the foundation for tongues at the moment. We're going to talk more about it in our next episode. Like as far as the gifting goes, is there anything else we want to get into now? I think that was good. Tongues, as you've seen, has a lot of biblical lore behind it and can be a lot to digest. So leave a comment or join us on our Discord page so we can talk more about that and kind of answer any confusing questions you have about it. Uh, you can also find us at jacksoncloud.com. Like, comment, subscribe. You know the drill. And